The Torah content from now through Pesach has been sponsored by the Kofsky family in loving memory of Adira, who loved big ideas and asking big questions. Okay, uh, so uh, today's year is called Ne'ila Isn't What You Think. And ironically, uh, I actually have a very limited amount of time to give this year today. I actually have to leave at uh, ideally at 12 o'clock on the dot, uh, so or stop on, at 12 o'clock on the dot. So um, uh, I think it's appropriate for the topic. <laughs> okay, so... Uh, let's start off with the basic question. And I have two forms of the question, the intense form, which is what is Ne'ilah? Or if that's too intimidating, what do you know about Ne'ilah? And we could just list characteristics. Okay. And, and again, the premise of this year is Ne'ilah is not what you think. So likely you're going to give wrong answers, but I want to hear like the common, common answers, you know, that, that people will give. So what, what's your gut uh, answer for what is Ne'ilah? For me, like, yeah, I was thinking a lot about what is Neela and I realized I didn't know, but I know okay. it's like the very intense time of Yom Kippur where like the gates are closing to like your opportunity to do full chuva. Okay, so the most intense time of Yom Kippur when uh, the gates are closing uh, and it's your last opportunity to do uh, teshuva. Okay, good. That's a fine answer. Yeah, anyone else uh, uh, have other answers? And again, it doesn't have to be um, what is Neela. It could just be characteristics of Neela. Like, what do we do during the Neela? Like, what is what is the the what what is the thing that we say? Like, you know, what do we talk about? I'm gonna make an observation. Sure. So, what um, Nava said, I've always heard that also, but I'm also wondering if that's true because you could still teach, say Tashlach until your um, circus. Okay, so Tashlich is in is a uh, is interesting because Tashlich is a minhag um, uh, that I don't even know when it started, but Tashlich is not a halacha, and I think you. But I do think the point you're raising though is good. What what, what let's just be more specific what, with what Nava meant when she says your last opportunity to do tshuva. You could always do tshuva, right? But your last opportunity to do tshuva before what? I think like when the book of judgment is closed. Okay, fine. Before your your judgment for that year is sealed. Right. Okay. So that, that's, uh, that's really what uh, Nava meant. And I, I don't know how Tashley fits in. I'm not really uh, knowledgeable about that. Uh, that Minhag. Okay. I'm terribly yeah. sorry. I came in a minute later. Are we discussing what is Neela? Yeah. What is Neela? Uh, or what do you know about Neela? Okay. Thanks. Yeah. No one knows anything more about Neela. I mean, I feel like we're always, instead of saying, um, like, Kasvenu, we're saying Kasvenu. Okay. I guess it's the same idea. Okay, good, like, yeah. So we replace, um, inscribe us with seal us, right, uh, in the, in the, uh, the Sarah's uh, Yimei insertions, right? Oh, okay, hold on, insertions. What, what do we say in Nila? Like, what is the, like, what is the text of Nila? Like, what, what makes it Nila? Just generally speaking, I'm not asking for like a verbatim recitation. Say again. Okay, we say lots of Yudgimel Midos. Okay, good. What else do we say in Ila? If you have Moxer, you can cheat if you want. I'm not going to hold it against you. We also say Vidui, I think. Yeah. Okay, good. We say Vidui. And uh, it's it's uh, interesting. It's not all Vidui. Which Vidui do we say? Not sure. The short one. So there's two yeah, videos. There's Ashamnus. Those are the short ones, and then there's the Achet. So we only say the Ashamnus. Okay, good. Uh, and anyone else remember what like the other content in video is like? Like generally speaking, if not, you should definitely look it over before Yom Kippur. Okay. And by the way, this year is actually not going to focus on the text of video because we're not going to have time. Because like I said, I have to stop at twelve exactly today. It also ends with Lashanaba am, which isn't like the main part, but I think also correct. Yeah, that, that, that is definitely true. I don't even. I, I think that is. Uh, is that? Yeah, we say that after Kaddish. It's. I think right. Yeah. yeah. So, um, all right. We do say uh, Lashana Haba uh, Okay, at the end, but that's not how you spell Yerushalayim. Yerushalayim. Okay, at the end. Okay. Uh, there's a shofar, right? Okay, we sound the shofar. Okay, we also say uh, lots of stuff about how God wants teshuva uh, and about how, uh, how sorry, I, I, let me reverse the order, about how lowly man is and how 
God wants teshuva. Okay, that's those are the, I would say those are the two main themes of the of what we say in the sitter. Okay, okay. So that's if anyone wants to add anything. Oh, and uh, when do we say ni'ilah? The end of the day, right before. The day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and we say okay. So uh, we say it at the end of the day. Okay. Okay. So, so the, another, the, yeah. I'm not sure if this is something that everyone does, but in my shul, it's the slowest tefillah. They say it much slower. That is true. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and it's often, uh, often stretched out. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So let us uh, look at the halakhas. Okay. And this is the thing that's cool about uh, when I was researching this is like, you know, the Basic questions are the best ones. And sometimes if you just ask, ask a basic question and look at the basic facts, you realize that like you have no idea what you're doing and like just the facts themselves shed a new light. Okay. So I'm going to show you uh, some of the facts and, uh, and, uh, and then I'll drop the bomb. Okay. So the Rambam in Hilchos. So first of all, I'm just going to just contextualize the, uh, the Nila we're familiar with. So uh, the Rambam says um, in Hilchos Tshuva 2.7, Yom HaKippurim is the time of teshuva for everyone, for the individual and the public, and it is the deadline of mechila and slicha, of forgiveness and pardon for Israel. Therefore, everyone is obligated to do teshuva and confess on Yom HaKippurim. So that's one of the things that Nava was saying. It's your last opportunity to do teshuva and get mechila um, in a sense. Okay, but what's the sense? Because in Hilchos Tshuva Peregimel, Halacha Gimel, the Ramam says, just as the iniquities of a person are weighed against his merits at the time of his death, so too each and every year, the iniquities of each and every person are weighed against his merits on Yom Tov of Rosh Hashanah. One who's found to be a tzaddik in judgment, okay, not a tzaddik like Moshe Rabbeinu, but like in the din, a tzaddik is sealed for life, and one who's found to be a rasha in judgment is sealed for death. But the benoni, the people in between, uh, hangs in the balance until Yom Kippurim. If he did teshuva, he is sealed for life, but if not, he is sealed for death. Okay, and and we were supposed to look at ourselves as though we're half and half uh, the whole year round. Okay, so that is the second part of what Nava was saying, which is that it's your last opportunity to do tshuva that will still that will go into that year's judgment. Okay, and then the judgment is sealed, and it begins a new a new judgment for the next year. Okay, so so far so good. Okay, so now let's look at what Neila actually is. Hilos Tfila. Okay, the Ramam says. Um, so he's talking about just background information here. So Mida Orisa, according to the Ramam. Tefillah is uh, once a day, but it's whatever words you want, however many times you want. There's no set text, no set amount of times. Uh, and uh, as long as you do Shevach, Bakasha, and Hoda'a, praise, request, and thanks. Okay. But then after the first Galus, when Jews got dispersed into different lands and their languages and ideas got mixed up, then the Anshay Knesset Hagadol created a standardized text. And they made, so they made a set text and a set number of Tefillos and set times. Okay. So they made the uh, uh, one tefillah in the morning called Shacharis, which corresponds to the, the Korban, uh, the Tamishel Shachar, the morning continual offering. They made a second tefillah called Mincha, which corresponds to the Tamishel Ben Arbaim, the afternoon Mincha. They made a third tefillah called Mariv, which corresponds to the burning of the uh, remaining parts of the Korban on the, uh, on the altar uh, throughout the night. And then they made a fourth tefillah called Musaf for special occasions uh, uh, when there is a Korban Musaf brought. Okay. So there is also a fifth tefillah. So the Ram says, the sages also establish a tefillah after tefillah's mincha close to sunset, only on a yom tanis, on a fast day, in order, so here's where he says it, kedei lahosif tachina ubakasha mipnei hatanis, in order to increase supplication and pleading because of the tanis, because of the fast. Vizoha tefillah nikris ni'ila, this tefillah is called ni'ila, literally the closing, klomar, as if to say, ninalu shari shemaim be'ad hashemesh v'nistara, as if to say the gates of, okay, now I, you'll notice I translate, uh, I crossed out the word heavens, okay, um, and changed it to the sky. Okay, I'll explain why in a second. Uh, the gates of the sky are closing on the sun, which is becoming hidden. Uh, and the reason why we call it that is is that we only daven it close to sunset, okay? Um, so why am I translating it as the sky? Because I think when people think of, like, uh, you know, we even use the, the phrase, the gates of heavens are closing, right? Well, Nava didn't say that, but the gates of heavens are, uh, of heaven is closing. I want to remind you that at least in Tanakh, okay, I can't guarantee that this is true in rabbinic uh, literature. In Tanakh, Hashemayim never means like heaven in the sense of like the realm of like God and the angels, okay? Hashemayim is the sky, okay? And here it means that like, it's using an analogy, obviously, because there are no gates in the sky, but it means that that 
it's becoming night and the sun is setting. Okay. And I'll prove that to you later on. But when we say the gates of heaven are closing, we don't mean like the, the, the realm of, of metaphysical beings like angels and God, we mean like the, the, the sun is setting. Okay. And it's just a poetic way to describe the sun setting. Okay. Um, and uh, the Rambam holds, uh, we don't, uh, I, I think many Ashkenazic tools don't pask in this way, but the Ramam says that the time of Ni'ila, he says, Tfilas this is in Hilgos Tfila, Ubirkas Konim, Gimel Vav, Tfilas Ni'ila, Kedeshi Yashlim Osa Samaklishkiya that you have to daven Ni'ila in a time when you can complete it close to sunset. Okay. So I know many shuls will start it at sunset or slightly before sunset and they'll continue it into the, uh, into the, until nightfall. Okay. And that is a, uh, that is a Machlokas Rishonim. In fact, there's even a Shaila about if you daven Ni'ila, does that putter you from Mariv? Does that exempt your Mariv for you? Um, uh, I don't think we Paskin like that either, but the, the, according to the Ramam, we, we finish it before sunset. Okay. Um, uh, and that's what our shul happens to do here. Okay. Wait, can I ask why would Ni'ila putter you from Mariv? Uh, because it's two different tefillos. Uh One is a nila that is for the Yom Hatanis, and then Mariv is the uh, the tefila of every day corresponding to the burning of the, the Mizbeach. The, so the real question is, how could you make an argument that it does pot to you for Mariv? You know, mm-hmm. um, so yeah. Uh, and I, I've never looked into that, but it's always interesting to me uh, when I see it. Okay, so, so far so good, right? Nothing shocking unless you're reading between the lines. Okay, but we're not going to do that yet. Um, okay. Let's do a little bit more. So the question is, what is the source of an Eli? I mentioned to you that the first two uh, tefillos of Shachris and Mincha are after the daily Tamid sacrifices. Mariv is after the burning of the animal parts on the Mizbeach. And then Musaf is after the Korban Musaf. So what's the source of an Eli? Does, any, does anyone know? I, I, I didn't know this, so I looked into it. So you know who else doesn't know? I mean, it's not that they don't know. Talmud Bavli doesn't even have a source. Okay, the, the information of Ni'ilah is in uh, Yerushalmi. Okay, so the Talmud Yerushalmi says this, and it's going to sound really bizarre. Okay, Talmud Yerushalmi in Brachos Dalad Aleph, section 22, says, Minayin l'ni'ilah, what's the source for Ni'ilah? Amar Rubi Levi Gam Kisarbu Tfila. There's a Pasuk in Shayahu that says, Hashem says, even if you increase in Tfila, I will not listen. Okay. Mikan, from here we learn, from here we learn that anyone who increases in tefillah is answered. Uh, and then the Gemara goes through a whole discussion and says, like, is that really true? Uh, if, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the same person says that uh, if you prolong your tefillah, then God is going to not answer it. And I, I omitted all that for the sake of brevity. And the Gemara concludes, this is only true for the community. So when the community increases tefillah, then they are answered. But when an individual does extra tefillah, then that's not a guarantee that they're going to be answered. Okay. So that's the source. Now, it sounds weird that the source of davening an extra tefillah is a puzzle that says, even if you increase tefillah, I will not listen. Okay. But you have to see that in context. This is in the first prophecy in the book of Yeshayahu when he is rebuking Kla Yisrael in, uh, uh, for basically being very religious in their like korbanos, but neglecting justice. Okay. And he says, this is one of the, my favorite nevuas, and this is very, very harsh. He says, I'm just going to read an excerpt from it. Uh, Yeshayahu 1, I guess we're starting at 10, 110 uh, until 117. Okay. Listen to the word of Hashem, O chiefs of Sodom. Give ear to the teaching of our God, people of Amora. And I just want you to pause and appreciate that. I wrote an article uh, over the summer about how, can you imagine if like a rabbi got up in shul and said, listen up, you Nazis, you know, to his congregants. This is like, the Sodom and Amora are like, have the reputation of the evil cities. And Yeshayahu is telling this to Kla Yisrael. Okay. So uh, listen up, O chiefs of Sodom, give ear to the teaching of our God, people of Amora. Why? And then he's speaking in the name of Hashem. Why do I need your, your numerous sacrifices, says Hashem? I am sated, or I should say, I'm fed up with burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fatlings. The blood of bulls, sheep, and goats I do not desire. When you come to appear before me, that's Alila Rego, who sought this from your hand to trample my courtyards? He's saying, I don't want your Alila Rego. I don't want you to make pilgrimage to the Mikdash. Bring your worthless mincha offerings no longer. It is an incense of abomination to me. As for your Roshe Hadashim and Shabbos and your calling of convocations, that's your holidays, I cannot abide mendacity with solemn assembly. Like, I can't tolerate it, okay? I hate your Roshe Hadashim and your Moadim, with my very being, they have become a bother to me or a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. Now there's our, here comes our Pasuk. When you spread your hands in prayer, 
I will hide my eyes from you. Even when you increase prayer, I will not listen. Yedechem dami maleo, your hands are filled with blood. Then he gives a, a, a direction of what you should do. Wash yourselves, purify yourselves, remove the evil of your deeds from before my eyes, cease doing evil, learn to do good, seek justice, vindicate the victim, render justice to the orphan, take up the grievance of the widow. Okay, and then after that, he says, let's do tshuva and I'll help you out. Okay, so so what's the shot here? Uh, I, I mean, I think this is, uh, this is not a, a crazy question, but just what's the shot of how do we infer from this pasuk of uh, even if you increase in tefillah, I will not listen. So how do we infer from there that we should dive in Ne'ilah? Just simple explanation. Because that's when you're not sincere? Are we okay. on? Yeah. So that, that, um, that Yeshayahu is talking to Jews who are involved in all these sins, okay? I wouldn't say it's a matter of sincerity. It's a, it's a matter that they're murderers, okay? Um, which, by the way, might not be literal murderers if you look at the context here. It's when you don't help the poor, you are as good as killing them. You know, when you don't save the orphans or the widows, it's like you're killing them, you know? Um, so, so it's not a matter of sincerity. It's that you are involved in injustice. And because of that, then even when you increase in tefillah, I won't listen to you, which implies that if you weren't involved in injustice and you increased tefillah, then I would listen to you. Okay. And that's the essence of Ne'ilah. As the Ramam said, it's to increase supplication and pleading because of the Tainus. And, um, and the Yushami says one who increases tefillah is answered. Okay. All right. Any questions on this? That's the, that's step one in terms of just facts here. Okay. I obviously, guess in practical sense, we just assume that we are doing those things, that we're not in the same state as the people that the Nebula was being sent to. <laughs> it's a good question. Uh, good question. Uh, thankfully, we don't actually have to deal with that evaluation because Chazal obligated us to Davin Ne'ilah. Okay. So it is a good question of like, what happens if we are in that state and we Davin Ne'ilah anyway? Uh, that's a good question. And maybe because that's up to God to how he, uh, uh, judges us, but, uh, but we have to do Ne'ilah even, uh, regardless of what our state is. Okay. Okay. Now the question is going to be, which I hope to answer by the end of this. I, I don't even know if I can answer this. How does that work? Right. Just cause you increased Tila, like God will respond. And I mean, the way I would ask this is like, you know, we know that God responds to quality of tefillah, right? Uh, that's uh, uh, God is, Hashem is close to, to all who call out to him, to all who call out to him in truth. You know, that's quality tefillah. But who says that if you do a ribui tefillah, that if you increase tefillah, then God responds? Like, like if you just like bother him with tefillah, so to speak, you know, then like he's going to respond. Seems kind of like a weird idea. Okay, so hopefully we can answer that. We're assuming that it's increasing in quality tefillah, though, right? No, not we're just it's increasing in quantity, but increasing quantity of the quality tefillah, like not just like saying words that we're increasing. No, it is. Uh, it is okay. So, so let, let me clarify this. So, um, uh, it is a tefillahs uh, neila is an extra tefillah. Okay, that ordinarily the most tefillahs you have is three. Okay, or four if there's a musaf, and this is the fifth tefillah. So it's a quantitatively extra tefillah because uh, to increase supplication and pleading because of the tainus. Now, ideally, it's going to be an increase in quality also, but the idea of it is you're adding a tefillah to the usual four. Okay. Okay, any other questions? Okay, next step, and this is a small step, okay, which is the Yushami goes on uh, in the next paragraph, Emasai ni'ila. When is Ni'ila? When do we say Ni'ila? The rabbis of Caesarea say that it's a machlokas between Rav and Rabbi Yochanan. Rav Amar bin Ni'ila Shari Shemaim. Rav says it's at the closing of the gates of, of, of heaven, okay, the sky. Rabbi Yochanan Amar bin Ni'ila Shari Heichal. Rabbi Yochanan says it is the closing of the gates of the Heichal, of the temple sanctuary. Now, what does that mean practically? So uh, this, I don't know who this commentary is, but it's on all Torah. Uh, it sounds like a, just a shot commentary or the oral Yisharim explains. Um, Rav said, the closing of the gates of heaven, the time for Tefilas Ni'ila begins at the time that the gates of heaven close on the sun, which is sunset. And we daven it after the sunset's close to nightfall. Uh, and then he says, the gates of heaven is a poetic metaphor as if there are gates in the sky. And remember, we Ashkenazim daven it after the sunset's close to nightfall. The Rambam holds you daven it before sunset and finish with the sunset. Okay, but either way, it's Ni'ila Shari Shemaim. And Rabbi Yochanan said, Ni'ila Shari Heichal. It's the closing of the gates of the temple. 
The time for the Tefillos and Ila begins at the time when the doors on the gates of the temple sanctuary close, which is before sunset, and we daven it while it is still daytime. Okay, and then he, he goes and plays it through the language. He says, this tefillah is called by the Mishnah in Mesechus Tainus, um, Tainios, uh, Ne'ilas Sha'arim, the closing of the gates, according to Rav, because of the closing of the gates of heaven, and according to Rabbi Yochanan, because of the closing of the gates of the Heichal. Okay, so factual machlokas, not factual machlokas, machlokas here in practical, what, what do you do? Do you daven Ne'ilah when the gates of the Mikdash close, which is in the afternoon, okay, or do you daven it close to or at Shkia, which is when the gates of the heavens close? Okay, and now you can see why I'm saying when we say it's the closing of the gates of heaven, we're not talking about like heaven, like the realm of God. We're talking about literally the sky. Like this is a halakhic machlokus about when the sun is setting or when the, the days of the uh, the gates of the mikdash close. Okay, so um, so that that that's the that's the time for an ila and that's the source for that. Okay, and just. Take a moment to appreciate, you know, we obviously paskin that it's Ne'ilah Shari Shemayim. Take a moment to imagine a Yom Kippur where you're in the Mikdash, okay? And if we did paskin according to Rabbi Yochanan, you would have the Avoda of the Beis Mikdash of Avodah Yom Kippurim with the whole, you know, Ketores and the, the Seir Azaza and the Seir Lashem. And then the gates of the Mikdash would close and that's that's it. That's Ne'ilah, you know, and then you're done, you know? So like, if you want to frame this in a halakhic framework here, it seems like it's a question of whether Ne'ilah everyone holds that Ne'ilah is at the end of the day, but the question is which day? Is it the end of the astronomical day when the sun sets, or is it the day of the Avoda, the Avodas Hayom, the day of the, the, uh, the Mikdash day, you know? And when Mikdash closes for the day, then your Ne'ilah is, uh, that's, then you're, you're, you know, then you lost the opportunity for Ne'ilah already, okay? Which would mean, according to Rabbi Yochanan, that it's not tied to the Kedushas Hayom of Yom HaKippurim. Yom HaKippurim is still going on, but the Avoda is done and the Ne'ilah is over. Okay, that's fact number two. Okay, any questions on that? Just short fact, just to get the, the basics here. Okay. Are you ready for the bomb? Okay, and I put this here to remind myself uh, that this is where I have to drop the bomb, okay? So you'll notice, if you look, if you read between the lines, okay, in all of these facts about Ne'ila, what has not been mentioned that you would expect to be mentioned? Yeah, I'll scroll through it again. We had uh, that Ne'ila is in order on a, on a fast day to increase t- uh, supplication and pleading because of the fast. Then we had that you have to finish it close to sunset. Then we have that uh, the source of Ne'ila is that the more uh, any any congregation that increases in, in tefillah is answered. And we get that from Yeshayahu, which says that uh, if you're involved in injustice, then if you increase tefillah, I won't answer you, which implies that if you are not involved in injustice and you increase tefillah, I will answer you. Then we have what, when does Ne'ila refer to is the gates of uh, heaven or the gates of the Heichal. So what has Ne'ila mentioned at all that you would expect in a discussion of the main sources of Ne'ila? Well, it's interesting because uh, he talks about tefillah, but not shiva. Or Yom okay, Kippur. that is true. Ah, that's the thing. No mention of Yom Kippur. Ah. <laughs> okay. And no mention of tshuva and no mention of kapara. Okay, so the bomb. I'm going to drop the bomb and then I'm going to I'm going to explain the bomb. Okay, so the bomb is like this. Okay, neila is not a tefila of yom hakipurim. <laughs> okay, <laughs> essentially. Ooh. Ooh. Okay, exactly. Thank you for the ooh. Right. So so neila is not a tefila of yom hakipurim. Okay, so. So if you look back, what does he say Ne'ilah is a tefillah of? Okay, he doesn't say we, we daven a fifth tefillah on Yom HaKippurim. Okay, what does he say? Fast days. Fast days. Now, you might immediately hit me with a question, which is? Why don't we do it on other fast days? Why don't we do it on other fast days, right? We have um, four other fast days, right? Four. We have Tzom uh, G'dalia, Asara B'tavis, um, Yudzayim Batamus, Tishbab, and then Tainus Esther, right? So why don't we do it on those fast days? Okay. So what answer might you give just based on, on your knowledge of halacha? Like what makes those fast days different than Yom Kippur? They're Durbanan. They're Durbanan. Okay. Those are fast days Durbanan, right? So then why does the Ramam not say, like Ramam, if you're talking about Yom Kippurim, say Yom Kippurim. Why put it in terms of, of a fast day? Okay. The answer is that there is another fast day, Mido Orisa, but we've never observed it. When is it? 
Well, give us a second. Sure. Is it what Tishbub will be switched to in the time of? Uh, good oh. guess, but no. Tishbub will be switched to a holiday, but uh, but it's still going to be Durbanan. It says Hatana, so it could be like the fast day. Like this is the big fast day. Okay, so you could read it that way, and I'm going to show you a um a support for that, which uh which is going to look like it undermines my whole theory. Uh, but I can explain it afterwards why it doesn't. <laughs> um, so right after that halacha in the Rambam, when he's explaining, oops, sorry, when he's explaining, um, so let's see, in the Rambam, Perak Aleph, uh, right where I showed you, uh, he said, on the fast day alone. After this, he summarizes for us. He says, So it's in summary, the tefillos every day are three. On Shabbos, Moed, and Rosh Chodesh, there are four. That's Musaf. And you know, there's five. Okay, so that seems to support what Shira is saying, right? That Yom HaTan is on the fast day. Obviously, we're talking about Yom HaKippurim, right? Wrong. <laughs> okay, there is another fast day, and the Ramam is going to say that we say Neil on that. Anyone know what it is? And the, the, it's a trick question because it's not one day, but it is another fast to Orisa. The answer, a ta'anis be'es sara, a fast on a day of calamity. Okay. Now we're going to have to get some facts in on this topic. Okay. And we're going to, again, I, because I have to end exactly at 12, um, ask me if you have any questions, but we're going to kind of get an overview here. Okay. So, in the laws of fasts, okay, if that's where we go, if we want to look at other fasts, uh, the Ramam says like this, it is a positive mitzvah of the Torah, so Midot uh, Raisa, to cry out in tefillah, okay, Lizok, that's uh, Za'aka, that's uh, crying out in tefillah, Ulaharia, and to sound a cry on the trumpet, uh, on the silver trumpets, uh, on every tsara and every catastrophe that befalls the community. As it is stated, when you go to wage war in your land against an enemy who oppresses you, you shall sound short blasts of the trumpets and you shall be remembered before Hashem your God and you shall be saved from your enemies. Meaning to say, anything that afflicts you, such as drought, epidemic, locusts, and the like, cry out on them and sound the trumpets. Okay, so Mito Raisa, according to the Ramam, you do two things. Sound the trumpets and then you, you have this special tefillah, which is a za'aka based tsara crying out to God in time of Sarah. Then famously, the Ramam says, this principle is one of the darche tshuva, one of the ways of tshuva, that at a time of the onset of an affliction and the people cry out and sound the trumpets, everyone will know that it was because of their evil conduct that this bad occurrence befell them. As it is written, your iniquities have turned away these things to you and your sins have withheld good from you. And this will cause them to remove the affliction from upon them. But if they do not cry out and do not sound the trumpets, um, sorry, if they do not cry out in tefillah and do not cry out on the trumpets. I'm just trying to be more precise. Uh, but instead say, this is a natural event that befell us, and this affliction is a chance occurrence. Behold, this is a derech achzarius, a way of cruelty or indifference, and will cause them to cling to their evil conduct, and this affliction and others will increase. This is what is written in the Torah, uh, uh, which says, and, it will, and if with this you do not listen to me, to Hashem, and walk with me with chance, then I will walk with you in the fury of chance, and I will also chastise you seven times for your sins. Meaning to say, when I bring an affliction upon you to cause you to do tshuva, if you say that it is chance, then I will increase the fury, the fury of that chance upon you. So that's this basic principle that whenever a sorrow befalls the Jewish community, we know that that is not chance. Uh, we know that that's hashgacha. And if we treat it as chance, then God will, will prolong it or increase it. Okay. So that's the mitzvah to Orisa. And then the Ramam adds, there is a rabbinic obligation to fast on every tsara that befalls the community until they are granted mercy from heaven. Okay, um, during these fast days, we cry out in tefillos and supplicate and sound a cry on the trumpets alone. And if it were in Mikdash, we would sound a cry on the trumpets and on the shofar. The shofar blast is cut short and the trumpet blasts are prolonged for the mitzvah of the day is on the trumpets. Okay, so Mida, so I, I mentioned that there's another fast Doraisa. I don't mean that the fast is Doraisa. What I mean is that the fast is in service of a Doraisa mitzvah. Okay, the fast days that we mentioned, uh, the five, are entirely Durabanan. Okay, but this is a Mida uh, Orisa. You have to cry out in tefillah and do a uh, uh, the trumpets. And Mida they said you also fast. And I believe the Rabag actually holds that that fast is Doraisa. Okay, so it's a machlok as we shown him whether this fast is Doraisa. Okay, and and uh, and in the Mikdash, you sound the trumpets and the shofar, and then you uh, you got a picture of the uh, the uh, 
you know, Kohanim standing side by side with the trumpets flanking the shofar and you start off sounding all of them and then the shofar drops out and you have the trumpets uh, that continue. Okay. Okay. So uh, I, I would love to go through all of this with you, but I just got to do a brief overview because we don't have time. So I want to give you like a picture of what these fast days were like. Okay. He says, these fasts that are decreed on the community because of the catastrophes are not observed on consecutive days, since the majority of the community would not be able to adhere to this. At first they observe, uh, they decree a fast only on Monday, then the Tuesday after it, and then Monday after that. They continue doing this order, Monday, Thursday, Monday, sorry, I said Tuesday, I meant Thursday, Monday, Thursday, Monday, until they receive mercy. Okay. So he goes on and, uh, okay, this is, that was chapter one, chapter halakhas one through five. He goes on and on skipping to chapter, uh, three halakha 11 regarding any fast that we decree upon the community outside of the land of Israel, we eat at night and its status is like other fast days. Uh, for we only decree a Yom Kippur type fast in Eretz Yisrael and only because of rain and only these 10 fasts, the three middle ones and the seven final ones. So, he says, and this is really what we're going to be ta- focusing on, which is that there are, are these other rabbinic fasts that are on uh, other uh, calamities. But in Israel, on a drought, we do a full Yom Kippur type fast, which is 24 hours or 25 hours with the uh, the other Inuyim, I believe, the other afflictions. And this is what it looks like. Okay, I'm just going to read the first two halachos. During each day of the final seven day fast for rain, we pray according to the following order. Uh, we take out the ark with the Torah in it out into the street of the city and all the people gather around and don sackcloth. They place ashes on the ark and on the Torah scroll in order to stimulate crying and to humble the people's hearts. One of the people takes ashes and puts them on the head of the Nasi and on the, the head of the Av Bastin on the place where the Tefillin rests so that they will be ashamed and do Teshuvah. Each and every person takes ashes and puts them on his own head. Afterwards, one of the wise elders stands before them while they are sitting. If a wise elder isn't available, then a wise man stands before them. And if there is neither an elder nor a wise man, then a man of stature should stand before them, someone like a physically imposing uh, presence. He addresses them with words of rebuke. My brothers, it is not sackcloth nor fasting that has an effect, but rather teshuva and masim tovim. For we find by the men of Nineveh that it was said of them, it was not said of them, God saw their sackcloth and their fasting, but rather God saw their actions. Similarly, in the words of the prophetic tradition, it says, tear your hearts, not your garments. So in other words, he's trying to encourage them to do inner tshuva, not just the external uh, uh, trappings. And he should continue on these themes according to his ability until their hearts are humbled and they return into shuva gemura. Okay. And then he goes through, I, I'm not going to read this, tons more halakos about what you do on this fast day, including like sending people out to help people do tshuva in the community, like to like basically go out and like interrogate and psychoanalyze people to find out what their sins are. And like, like basically sending out like therapists, you know, but uh, from a Torah perspective to like help people do tshuva on their sins, because the halacha, when the Ramam says that you do this until they receive mercy, you actually have to keep on fasting until the drought ends. You know, this is one of the few halachos where maybe the only one where like, you know, most mitzvahs, we have a shear, say Krishma twice a day, you know, do nine shofar blasts, uh, you know, uh, say three birkas konim, you know, here you do the fast until God has mercy on you and removes the, the drought. Okay. So this keeps on going and you do other fascinating stuff. If you ever get a chance to read through these halakos, there's a lot of fascinating stuff. Like for example, you know, how we say Mahli Zekronos and Shofros on Musaf of Rosh Hashanah, right? And we add psukim that have mentions of Malchios, Psukim that have mentions of Zichronos, and Psukim that have mentions of Shofros, I bet you thought that that was a Rosh Hashanah thing, right? Wrong! Okay, it's not a Rosh Hashanah thing, it's a Tainus thing, okay? He says, for example, um, he says, where does he say it? Um... Yeah, the Chazan starts davening, and when he gets to Birkas Yisrael, Omer Zichronos Veshovros Mein Hatsara. He says, Psukim of Zichronos and Shofros that match the Tsara that you're going through. So let's say you're going through a locust plague. You find Psukim about God remembering us having to do with locusts, you know, uh, or if it's about like an enemy you know, waging war, you find uh, psukim about shofar that has to do with waging war with an enemy. Okay. So really fascinating stuff. You say six brachos that we never say any other time, like, like, you're just sampling one. Misha ana es Moshe avosechem al yamsuf, the one who answered Moshe and our fathers and yamsuf, hu yane eschem, may he answer you. V'yishma kol tzakhaschem, and, uh, and uh, listen to the voice of your uh, outcry, biyom hazeh, on this day. Baruch Hashem Zocher Hanishkachos. Blessed are you, Hashem, who, who remembers the forgotten things. 
this is why, like, I think everyone should learn the Rambam because the Shulchan, you know, I've said this again, I'll say it, I've said it before, I'll say it again. All the other books of Halakha only deal with Halakhos that we practice nowadays. Rambam, the Mishnah Torah, is the only book that deals with all Halakhos that we practice you know, in the time of the Mikdash and not in the time of the Mikdash. And you're missing out on so much of Torah if you don't know the halakhos that we no longer practice, you know, so much stuff here. Okay, anyway, you say all these brachos. And then at the end, where does the Ramam say? He says, these seven fasts, in whichever location they are decreed, after they daven, all the people go out to the graveyards and cry and supplicate there as if to say, you are dead like these remains if you do not do tshuva from your ways. Okay, so you actually go out to the graveyard and and compare yourselves to the dead people. And remember, there's a drought. So this is not metaphorical. You guys will be like these dead people if you don't do tshuva right now. And then he says, and in every fast of the fast that are decreed in the community because of the catastrophes, we daven the tefillah of ni'ilah in every place. Okay, so that's where I'm vindicating my reading of the Ramam up here. So when we go back to the Ramam in Hillel's tefillah, he says, when he says... Um, that the sages also established a tefillah after tefillah's mincha close to sunset only on a yom tanis in order to increase supplication and pleading because of the tanis. Okay, what tanis is it? It's yom kippur and the tanis of uh, uh, that are decreed because of the tsaros. Okay, we dive into ilah on those. Okay, so yes, go ahead. I, I just want to say, is neila the name of the tefillah in the way like we say mincha? Yes, it is. Yeah. Okay. Was there another question? Something else? Yeah, I just don't know what, I don't know if like we're talking about like a text or if we're talking Ah, about. Thank you for reminding me that. Let's go up to our observations here. Okay. So you see from this fact, okay, not even ideas. We haven't said any ideas yet. Okay. You see from this fact that Ni'ila is not intrinsically about a last opportunity to do tshuva before your judgment for the year is sealed, right? You could be davening Ni'ila on a Tuesday in March. If there's a drought, okay, uh, and and uh, and it has nothing to do with the last opportunity for tshuva, um, at least for for your judgment, it has nothing to do with what Ramam said of Kate's mechila uslicha Israel, the end of the mechila and slicha, has nothing to do with the aserishim tshuva, okay. Um, so that's uh, that's uh, you know that's that, okay. Um, so again, I'm not saying that this is false. I'm just saying that that's not the essence of Neila. All right, we do say it at the end of the day that part's still true. We don't, you know, Ni'ila is not intrinsically in, uh, uh, have anything to do with the insertions during the Sheres Mechuva, because if we're saying this in uh, uh, in March, then we don't say Zachary Kasmiu B'Sefer Chaim, you know, and and Chasmiu B'Sefer Chaim. Okay. Now here's the other thing. Okay, what is the text of Ni'ila? I'm going to ask that. I know I asked that question before. According to the Rambam, what is the text of Ni'ila? And the answer is here. So if you think, you know, I'm just tricking you. No, the answer is here. <laughs> it's just an extra tefillah. It's just an extra Shimon Esrei. Okay. All the stuff that you're used to saying in the Ila, okay, all of the Vidui, the Yugimu Midos, okay, and the Vidui, and all the stuff about how lowly man is and how God wants Chuva. That's not part of Ni'ilah. What is that? That's part of Vidui Yom HaKippurim, which we say after Ni'ilah, okay? Ni'ilah is just an extra Shemona Esrei, <laughs> okay? And yeah, the Ramam says that, that the, the Chazan adds like a bunch of stuff. It's like a Nadava, exactly. That's a good analogy, right? So there's this thing called a Tfilis Nadava, which is a voluntary Shemona Esrei. And all it is, is it's an extra Shemona Esrei that you say, okay? You don't change the text. Uh, you add extra Bokashos. Uh, but it's not anything different. So all the stuff in your sitter that you'll find when you look in the ila, it, you'll find basically there's three categories of stuff that feels ila-ish, and it's not actually essentially ila. Okay, one is the changing the kasmenus to kasmenus. The other is the yugamomidos and uh, all the like added text, and that's the vidui after yom kippurim. And the other is the piyutim we add, the poems we add, which are about yom kippur. And I'm not saying that that is irrelevant to Ni'ilah. I'm saying that that's not essentially part of Ni'ilah because you would not say that on a fast day uh, for a tsara. Okay. So now we're left with this stark idea of Ni'ilah, which is like what the Ramam. So what is Ni'ilah then? Okay. Uh, and when we have the Ramam here, it's in order to increase supplication and pleading because of the Tainus. Okay. 
So in the interest of time, I'm going to now state the main idea, okay? Uh, and then justify it. Okay, the main idea, hold on, where's the main idea? Uh, the main idea, do, 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 do. Oh, I didn't write it. Okay, so the main idea, um, so th this shear is actually, uh, uh, is, is Devorah on? No, Devorah's not on. So Devorah uh, then, uh, Chait does not know this, but she helped me prepare this year, okay? In 2018, uh, on the night of Yom Kippur, uh, I always hang around after Mari for anyone who wants to learn. And Devorah was there and uh, with a friend. I said, hey, you want to learn about Ela?" And uh, and like we, we explored these ideas. And I wrote up a rough draft of an article that I never published, okay? So I want to read to you what I wrote in the article just because I thought I summarized it kind of nicely, um, better than I can say it. So I wrote, thus, while it is certainly fine to analyze the role of Ne'ila and Yom Kippurim, we must remember that Ne'ila is not essentially tied to the ceiling of our judgment in Yom Kippurim, nor is it inherently tied to the unique opportunity of Kapara that Yom Kippurim brings. Rather, I would like to suggest the following. Ne'ila is a tefillah for extra mercy at a time of calamity. We reserve this tefillah for the two greatest calamities we face, one of which is physical, i.e. drought, the other of which is spiritual, namely the culmination of Yom Hadin, Judgment Day at the end of a series made tshuva. Both scenarios are fraught with urgency, one on account of the threat of imminent physical death and the other on account of the imminent judgment that might result in spiritual death, okay, uh, or physical death in terms of the judgment about how your year is going to go. That is why the quality of urgency was built into the structure of tefillos ni'ila more so than the other time-bound tefillos. In other words, ni'ila is the only tefillah where like you have to daven it close to the ending of something and there's no set amount of time. Like chakras, you have like you could daven it you know, in, in the first four hours of the day or up until Chatzos, you know, Mincha, there's a Zman from, uh, you know, Mincha Gedola until Shkia. Here, it's daven it close to Shkia, uh, but like not too, like early and uh, not too late, okay? So it's to make a sense of urgency. Um, our awareness that the gates are closing catapults us into a psychological state of exigency, of urgency, like no other time-bound tefillah. Halakha pulls out all the stops in the most critical situations of Eitzhara. Okay, and I got this idea from the Rabag. Okay, so the Rabag, in his explanation on Bamidbar on the trumpets, okay, explains the idea of the trumpets, and he says, when a catastrophe befalls the Jewish people, the Kohanim should sound a trua, a crying blast on the trumpets, and through this action they will be remembered before Hashem. For this action causes their hearts to be broken and crushed, that they may return to Hashem, so that He will have mercy on them when they pray to Him. For tefillah together with this trua will cause them to be remembered. Um, for the reason we mentioned, because the frightening sound will cause people's hearts to tremble. As it is stated, if a shofar is sounded, sounded in the city, will the people not tremble? Through this, their tefillah and shuvah will be complete. So in other words, on a fast day, when there is a calamity befalling you, the trumpets are sounded. It's supposed to like shock you into realizing, the analogy I give is it's like, I don't know if you've ever lived anywhere where there's like a, a tornado sirens, but but like, you know, in places like that, you're going about your day and all of a sudden there's a, a, a siren and you it's basically saying act now or your life is in danger and you have to get into a shelter. OK, um, what this is doing is doing that. But for 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 Shuva, OK, there's a, a, a calamity, there's a drought, there's an enemy, there's locusts. You hear the trumpet sound and immediately spring into action, not physical protection, but doing Shuva. OK, and Tinus and uh, and Tfila. All right. So that's by the trumpets. But then he says, oh, he says, we've, we've seen that according to the Torah, complete teshuva and kapara, atonement, follows after Inui, after affliction and teruah. It is for this reason that Hashem desired that kapara on the 10th of the seventh month, Yom Kippurim, should be preceded by a teruah on Rosh Chodesh of that month, which is Rosh Hashanah, in order to subdue the hearts of Bnei Israel from the recognition of their sins so that they will do complete teshuva to Hashem. Then at the end of this process, they will afflict their souls, okay, namely fast on the 10th day. Thus, this is another instance of pairing teruah with fasting. Now, the fascinating thing about the Rabag is he's saying like this. He's saying the essential model for teruah and tefillah and fasting at tshuva is in an eshtara, is a time of calamity. Now, on an eshtara, the calamity is happening today, okay, and we sound the trumpets today, and we, we daven today, and we fast today, and we do tshuva today, okay? But what he's saying is, that's kind of like what we do in Tishrei, but instead of it all occurring on one day, it's stretched out. You have a true on Rosh Hashanah, and then you have 10 days where you're doing tshuva, and then you have the fast 
and uh, and, and and the culmination of the tshuva on Yom HaKippurim. Okay, so it's funny how he's kind of like treating the Isara model as the main thing, and then saying, "Oh, that's kind of like Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippurim." Okay, so much so that in his explanation of the pasuk um, of uh, Rosh Hashanah, look at what he says. This is uh, Rob Bach's commentary on the pasuk: "In the seventh month, on the first of the month, there should be a rest day for you, a remembrance with shofar blasts." He says, "From this, it is clear that the teruah on an enemy that oppresses you, okay, that's the Isara, should be followed by an inui nefesh, an affliction of the soul that's fasting. For this is its purpose." Since Yom Kippurim is on the 10th of the month, the Torah prepares people by arousing them to do teshuva and breaking and subduing their hearts, starting with Rosh Chodesh of this month, that's Rosh Hashanah. It is clear that the shofar blast instills trepidation in the heart. As it is stated, if a shofar is sounded in the city, will the people not tremble? In general, loud sounds are very terrifying and serve as a means of subduing uh, the nefesh habahamis, the animalistic psyche. It is as if through the shofar, we are being awakened to, to subdue our hearts and analyze our deeds to correct what is crooked therein in order that we should be ready for the kapara on Yom HaKippur. So he's drawing a clear parallel between the trumpets and the ace tsara on an, uh, sorry, the trumpets prompting you on an ace tsara to do tshuva and fast. And then the shofar on Rosh Hashanah prompting you to do tshuva and then fast on Yom HaKippur. And in fact, he just like the Rama mentioned earlier that on an ace tsara, you sound the trumpets with the shofar in the mikdash, and then the shofar drops out, and you continue with the shof with the with the trumpets. The Ramam says in the, on Rosh Hashanah, he says in the mikdash they would sound on Rosh Hashanah a single shofar with two trumpets on the sides. The shofar blast is prolonged, and the trumpet blasts are cut short. For the mitzvah of the day is with the shofar. Uh, why do we sound the trumpets with the shofar? Because it is stated in Tehillim ninety eight six with trumpets and the sound of shofar cry out before the King Hashem. But in other locations outside of Mikdash, only on Rosh Hashanah, on Rosh Hashanah, we only sound the shofar. So what do we see from here? I have a nice chart, okay, that uh, that there is a parallel, okay? On the left column, for those who are only listening audio, we have an ace tsara, and on the right column, we have the month of Tishrei, okay? In an ace tsara, the tsara befalls the community. That's a physical tsara, okay? That corresponds to the month of Tishrei where the Yom Hadin arrives, which is Rosh Hashanah. Okay, back to the Esara, what do we do? A Teruah is sounded on the trumpets with shofar backup in Mikdash. On the month of Tishrei, the Teruah is sounded on the shofar with trumpet backup on Mikdash, okay, in Mikdash. Okay, with an Esara, we have fast days. In response to the Teruah, we engage in Tefillah and Shuva, and those are fast days that are decreed Monday, Thursday, Monday, Thursday. In the month of Tishrei, we have the Aserus Yumei Teshuva. Uh, we... we um, uh, what do you call it? In response to the Trua, we engage in tefillah and shuva. Okay, and then in the Isar, we engage in a tainus concurrent with our tefillah and shuva. And in the month of Tishrei, we have a Yom HaKippurim where we engage in tainus on the final day of tefillah and shuva. And then as a result, if we're successful on an Isar, Hashem grants us mercy and removes the tzara. And on the month of Tishrei, Hashem grants us mercy and gives us kapara. Okay, so the, the core idea here is that, again, just to, to, to reframe it again, an Isara that's physical warrants a trua and fasting and crying out to Hashem, okay? And a tefillah that has a special sense of urgency, which we know is guaranteed to be answered, okay? That's increasing tefillah so that, so that God will have mercy upon us. So too in the month of Tishrei, see, this now changes the way we view Yom Kippurim. What are we doing when we are davening the Elah on Yom Kippurim? So it's true that it is the last opportunity for tshuva before our din is sealed and the gates are closing on, on the last opportunity for kapara, but it's essentially an ace tsara of din, you know, a, a spiritual ace tsara where we have one last opportunity to, to change ourselves before the judgment is sealed for the year. And that's where Ni'ilah comes in. Ni'ilah is not essentially about the closing of the opportunity to seal in our judgment. It's essentially about urgency and crying out for mercy at a, a time of tsara. Okay, and and the the Yom Kippur just provides the context for that. Uh, this idea of Yom Hadin and sealing of the judgment provides context for that. Okay, um, yeah, that is the uh, the main idea. With I know there's one question that we haven't answered, which is how does this exactly work? But any questions on the main idea about what the essence of Neila is? Uh, let me actually just sorry. Let me just complete this here. Uh, the, so the bomb we said Neila. Uh, the main idea Neila is not essentially change the sentence, is not essentially a tefillah of Yom Kippurim. Rather, it is essentially a tefillah, sorry, an extra tefillah for Rahamim at an Ace Sara. 
whether a physical asara, okay, like a drought or a spiritual asara, sorry, not asara, asara, uh, i.e., uh, Yom Hadin, uh, Yom Hadin, and the finalization of our judgment on Yom HaKippurim. And again, when I say spiritual, you can call that a physical tsara also, because according to the Rambam and the Ramban, then your judgment is being set up for all the physical stuff that happens to you on the year. It's just not, it's not a live tsara. It's a future, it's, it's, a, it's a tsara. You are in jeopardy, not because there is an enemy pounding at your gates, but because what's going to happen in the course of the year is, is determined by what you do on uh, at this time. So that's the main idea. Any questions on the main idea? Okay, because we have to stop at 12, I'm going to take try taking one more step, okay? There's one question we didn't answer, which is what's up with Ni'ilah? <laughs> okay, uh, and by that I mean, what does it mean that um, because of the Pasuk in Yeshayahu, that if you increase tefillah, I will not listen. And from here you learn that uh, anyone who increases in tefillah is answered, and that's for a community. What, what's with this guarantee that a, a quantitative increase in tefillah is going to get you answered, okay? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rule out an answer for you. You might tell me the answer is, well, it's because the whole community is getting together to daven. That's why God answers you. So you're right, but that's actually not true of an Increase in tefillah, that's true of every communal tefillah, okay? So look at one of the halakhas we read last night, in last night's year. In the Laws of Tshuva, uh, 2.6, the Ramam says, even though tshuva and crying out in tefillah are always good, during the 10 days between Rosh Hashanah and Yom HaGippurim, it is even better and is accepted immediately. As it is stated, seek Hashem when he may be found, call him when he is close. When does that apply? To an individual. But in the case of a community, every time they do tshuva and cry out in tefillah with a whole heart, then they are answered. As it is stated, like Hashem, our God, whenever we call to him. So that's whenever you cry out and do tshuva, the community is answered. That's not just special Yom Kippurim or Seres Yomit Tshuva. And in Hilgul's Tefillah, chapter 8, Halakha Aleph, the Ramam says, the tefillah of the community is always heard. And even if there are sinners among them, among them, Kaddish Baruch never rejects the tefillah of the many. And then he goes on and says that, therefore, you should always daven with a minion whenever you can. Okay, he says, for the feel of a person is only heard at all times. In, okay, that's a shul thing. Yeah. So in other words, there's one principle, which is that the, the communal tshuva and tefillah is always accepted. And another principle that says communal uh, tefillah is always heard. Okay, what are those ideas? I don't know. That's for a different year. But you see from here that that's different than the principle about Rebuy tefillah, that when you do uh, an increase quantitatively in tshuva, sorry, in tefillah, then there's a certain special power to that. And that's what I'm asking about is how does a repeat or sorry, an increase in tefillah like get you extra mercy? And why is it guaranteed? And Could why, and sorry, it's just saying, and why is it only guaranteed if you're not involved in injustice, right? Because we see from Yishayahu that if you're involved in injustice, then no matter how many tefillahs you do, then you're not answered. So that's, I think, a clue, actually. Yeah, sorry, who was going to say something? Oh, this doesn't go with your clue. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but I was going to say maybe that that you're, you are, like Hashem gave us like a formula, like he told us what to do. And if like we are like throwing ourselves at the system that Hashem gave us, that we're supposed to do this thing and we're doing it again, that that's somehow, you know, that's a, a connection to the system that Hashem gave us. Okay, so that is definitely true. And I think that, regardless of whether the answer I give works out, then you can rely on that answer, right? That, that, that we can't understand, you know, you know, God's ways are not our ways and his thoughts are not our thoughts. And he gave us this formula and says that this is a principle of Hashgaga. So we know it's true, but I do want to understand how, okay. That's my five minute warning. Okay. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and suggest something. Okay. Just in the interest of, of, of time here. Okay. Which is like this, in order to answer this question, we have to answer the question, what is tefillah? Okay, and if any one of my uh, uh, shall have it students wants to just say, what does Lahit Palel Lashem mean? <laughs> Go ahead and say it. To judge oneself. Yeah, to judge oneself. That's what Lahit Palel literally means, right? So Pei Lamed is to judge. Reflexive Heat Palel is to judge oneself. And Lahit Palel Lashem is to judge oneself in Hashem's framework, okay? So based on that definition, what can you say is going to be effective or about judging yourself uh, uh, to uh, an extra degree, 
What is that going to do that guarantees that God will respond? You're like emulating Hashem. How are you emulating Hashem? So here's what I'm going to suggest, okay, which is that you you have to judge yourself in tefillah uh, uh, three times a day, okay, I mean, whatever. I know we all have different practices of how many times we do tefillah. Three times a day. On on a holiday, it's four times a day. And uh, at an Astara, then an extra time, right? Um, so the extra time is governed by a seeking of, by, by tchina and bakashas rachmin, supplicating and asking for mercy, okay? Supplicating is asking for stuff that you don't deserve. And mer- extra mercy is um, is uh, is recognizing also that everything God does is not holding you accountable based on w- what your actual actions are. It's giving you extra time to do tshuva. And, um, and this is really used with the za'aka, that specific form of tefillah, which is crying out at a time of trouble when you're involved in tshuva. So I think the idea is like this, is, you know, you can get a certain degree of examining yourself, of judging yourself in tefillah, right? But repeatedly judging yourself shows an effort to find stuff, either to find stuff that you missed, like why would you search something multiple times? Is to find stuff that you missed, or if you need to judge yourself many times, it's because there are certain resistances or blind spots that you have that you need to break through and you need to keep at it again and again and again. So I think that's what the community is striving to do on Yom Kippur is that you involve yourself in extra scrutiny and examining yourself from extra angles and extra tshuva and extra stuff, which is why on our uh, Ni'ila, we add all of those piyutim and all of the yagamomitos and all of this talk about man's lowliness and unworthiness and 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 saying that God wants you to do tshuva, all of these are ways of like trying to get at all of the the unexamined parts of ourselves or all of the resistant parts of ourselves in order to to um, to merit extra rachamim. And and if we do that, then God has to respond because if we actually uh, you know uncover those parts of ourselves and then change, then then we are aligning ourselves with God's will and He has to respond. Like that is how God's will works: is that when you become vachanosi uh, I will have great. I'll be gracious to the one who I who deserves graciousness, and I will be merciful to the one who deserves mercy. You know, and um, it is. Oh, I forgot one point. One point. Hold on. Is that um, when you do this? I have one more point. Go ahead and interrupt me if you have a question. It's guaranteed. Oh, I the 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 the, the yeah the justice thing, right? Why won't this work if you're involved in injustice? Because if you're involved in injustice, you clearly aren't examining yourself, right? In other words, the Jews at the time of Bais Rishon were bringing korbanos as if ritual mitzvahs were the only thing that you need to do to make God happy, so to speak, and they're completely neglecting chesed, mishpat, and tzedakah. So no matter how much alleged tefillah you're doing, it's not extra. It's like if you, I mean, lahav deal, it's like if you wronged your friend and you did not show any remorse or like change yourself and you say, I'm sorry, 10 times, the, the fact that you're saying, I'm sorry, extra times doesn't have any bearing on like them forgiving you. Right. It's it's that you have to actually change yourself through these like, uh, you know, uh, approaching like your friend. So too with God, you have to actually change yourself and actually use tefillah for self-examination, uh, which is why like the ni'ila is really the capstone of all the other tefillahs of the day. And in fact, the Rav held this so much that he held that um, that the same shliach tzibor, the same chazan who davens uh, all the other tefillahs has to daven ni'ila. And you can't just appoint a separate uh, chazan just to daven ni'ila. Um, I, I know many people don't hold of that. In fact, even in our yeshiva, I guess we don't hold like that. Um, but like he held, it's like, it's the, it's the, it has to have the quality of extra where you've been doing all the stuff leading up to it, all the basic stuff. And you're going one step beyond and pushing yourself as a community to an extra degree of self-scrutiny and tshuva. And, uh, and, uh, and, and when you do that, God will respond. So now your homework, okay, is to look through the text of Ni'ila, okay, both the, the Vidui after Ni'ila and all the Putin, and understand how that can be used as a vehicle for what we're describing here, for getting extra mercy and getting extra, doing extra tshuva. But the, the takeaway is, is that this is not intrinsically about the, the, the ceiling of your din on Yom Kippur, 
this is about an we're in a time of calamity of an asara and when we jews are in time of calamity we do za'aka we cry out uh, and we sound the trumpets and we do chuba and we do tfila and we say neila you know and the neila on yom kippur is a parallel to the neilas that we aren't doing throughout the year because we don't have the system in place of halacha where we respond to an star this way but you can imagine it and you could like like know that that's what we're doing you know so um i hope this can I ask a super quick was, question super quick then i gotta yeah. go yeah was this done in the base also when they were doing the avoda and they were doing the sirlazazel and they were waiting for the thread to turn and all of that Yes, it was done. Uh, in fact, I think it was done later on in the afternoon, uh, close to sunset, according to that shita. Yeah. So it was even after they, if they had. It was even after the ability. Yeah. And if we paskin according to Rabbi Yochanan, we would do it before the service in Mikdash is over. But they, they would have like seen that the that the chut turned turned white already, and still be saying this. Uh, you know, I don't know the timing of the the thread turning white. So I, I there probably is an answer, but I just don't know what what the. Timing okay, I'm just asking like, in terms of like Klai Yisrael, like having like some sense of. Yeah. Like, do we still say it or not? Like, uh, just like of the Eitzara being something that's now versus something when we knew that that if we were forgiven by Karsh Baruch or not. Yeah, you that would definitely change our experience of it. But uh, yeah, I I, uh, I don't know. I have enough data on that. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Yep. Thanks. Okay. Thanks for coming and have everyone have a Gemara Chazimatova and an urgent Rachamim filled Neila. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. If you've gained from what you've learned here today, please consider contributing to my Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Alternatively, if you would like to make a direct contribution to the Rabbi Schneeweiss Torah Content Fund, my Venmo is at matt-schneeweiss and my Zelle slash Chase QuickPay and PayPal are mattschneeweiss at gmail.com. Even a small contribution goes a long way to covering the cost of my podcast and will provide me with the financial freedom to produce even more Torah content for you. If you would like to sponsor an article, share, or podcast episode, or if you are interested in enlisting my services as a teacher or tutor, you can reach me at rabbishnewas at gmail.com. Thank you to my listeners for listening. Thank you to my readers for reading. And thank you to my supporters for supporting my efforts to make Torah ideas available and accessible to everyone.